Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. And it is the last day of July, second to last day of July, guys. Can you believe that? We are so close to the Burr months. We are so, so close. How was your birthday, Julia? See, I it remember. Was, it was great. <laughs> I'm 37, actually, this year. Last year, I thought I was turning 37, but I was only turning 36. So, so not as excited. Not, back. not, Chris, <laughs> not as exciting did the same exact year. thing this year. <laughs> I totally, last year, thought I was turning 37, and Marty's like, no, you're only 36. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> you just no, gained a whole year. All, no, all real a- this year. <laughs> but it was good. Marty and I went and saw the new Quentin Tarantino movie, and it was fantastic. We had dinner. It was great. Uh, I can't wait to see that movie. Yeah, you'll love it. It was awesome. The last movie I saw was The Lion King. Oh. Pretty cool. Was it? The next movie I'm going to see is The Lion King. Animation is like crazy. Crazy real. That's what I've heard. So guys, can you believe all the positive feedback we're getting for our Christmas in July episode where people are saying we should uh, be professional singers? (laughs) It's shocking, isn't it? It's shocking. <laughs> I'm, shocking. I'm not surprised in the least, y'all. <laughs> I've said that about myself for as long as I can remember. Your ability to hold a tune. Our, all of our <clears throat> to hold a tune is astounding. You know what? Sarcasm aside, what is astounding? The ability of some of our listeners who joined in that special's abilities to hold a tune. Yes. Definitely. It was like a nice family gathering, you know? It was a family gathering. Don't you remember? We decorated the tree together, had cookies. We did. Tom got drunk on the eggnog. I don't really remember that, but if you say so, I'm going to believe you. (laughs) Nog was drunk and so was Tom. You didn't listen to how I edited the episode, did you, Tom? (laughs) Please, Daddy, don't get drunk this Christmas. Okay. <laughs> Y'all not know that song? No. For real? I don't know. Yeah, no. That's a, that's a real Christmas song, y'all. Is it a country song? It sounds like a country song. It is, but the Decemberists cover it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's. I'm willing to try it out then if the Decemberists cover it. I do yeah. love the Decemberists. You know what else I love? The movie we're covering this week. Our last trip into the past with the Ghost of Christmas past i don't want this to end this has been so much fun i know i don't want to go forward into the unknown again but the ghost of christmas past is taking us on another fun journey 
this time with the Griswold family in 1989's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Julia, since it's you're probably the one who likes the movie the most out of the three of us, do you want to, off the top of your head, give us a quick plot synopsis instead of reading the old one of this old outline? Oh, man, see, I thought you were being, like, funny. You are like, just act like it's off the top of your head. <laughs> Not great with off the top of my head. Okay. It's Christmas again, and we are joining the Griswold family for the Griswold family Christmas. The Griswolds aren't your normal family, or are they your normal family? Arguments ensue, threats of death, and animals flying through the house, multiple types of animals, and come on, let's face it, it's just your normal family Christmas, and there is no Christmas like a Griswold Christmas. That's pretty accurate. Not as good as the Googles. But it's better because it has a Julia spin on it. It does. Yeah. So, Julia, do you have an Uncle Eddie in your family? Everybody cousin has Eddie. an Uncle Eddie. <laughs> yeah, cousin, cousin Eddie. Eddie. I'm sorry, cousin. cousin Eddie. We were actually <clears throat> calling him Uncle Eddie in the first go around. We what? We were That's notorious right. for calling him Uncle Eddie. The I don't first know why. It just feels like it just feels more natural. I mean, yeah. he technically is Uncle Eddie to the. Oh no, he would be cousin Eddie to the kids because he's their he'd be, cousin. He'd be second. Cu- he'd be second cousin Eddie. Second cousin Eddie. <laughs> cousin uh, Eddie. Everybody's got a cousin Eddie. Everyone has a cousin Eddie. Everyone. <laughs> so, Julia, since this movie is nearest and dearest to your heart, I feel, why don't you remind listeners of your history with this film? So I was too young to see this one in the theaters, um, but I, I kind of don't remember A Christmas Without It. You know, when you get to that age and you're aware of non-animated movies, kind of the age. Um, My dad loves this movie. And so by default, my brother loves this movie and my mom loves this movie and I love this movie. Um, It's one of my favorite representations of of a dysfunctional, read real, right, Christmas family get together. And I don't care how many times I see it. I will watch it every time it's on TV, but every single time it makes me laugh just as hard as the first time it made me laugh. Um, I have just an absolute near and dear place in my heart for the Griswolds in general, but especially this one. It's my favorite Griswold movie or National Lampoon movie. They're kind of the Tom, same, right? They're the same, right? Yeah. National Lampoons and Griswold. You can't have, I mean, they can say whatever they want about creating some sort of National Lampoon dynasty, but it's always going to be the Griswolds. That's right. Um, I... Also, cannot remember a Christmas without this movie. It was around all the time when I was growing up. Um, I'm a big fan. I will say I don't always sit down and watch it when it's on, but if it's on, I always keep it on, if that makes sense. And it's one of those movies, no matter where I pick up on it, no matter what point I come in on, I can just, if, if I've got nothing else going on, I can just pick up there, watch it, get all the laughs, get all the jokes, and uh, I don't feel like I've missed anything because... I mean, I know this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of the few movies I'll say it would not feel like Christmas time without. Oh, definitely. Great point. What about you, Anthony? So this movie came out the year I was born, 1989, which I'm just going to say, awesome year for movies. Batman, The Little Mermaid, Ghostbusters, National Lampoon. Like, I was born in a good year for film. But... um. Yeah, so I never saw this. This was not part of my Christmas candy growing up, and not because 
I couldn't watch it or anything. It's just I never showed any interest in it. Saw the commercials, never appealed to me. Then one Christmas, not too long ago, I put it on because I was sick of the same old Christmas stuff on every other channel. And I loved it. And I wish I had been part of my Christmas for many more years than it has been. But uh, now it's not Christmas without it. It's one of my favorite Christmas films. And like Tom said, you put it on and you can pick up where, wherever, whatever part it's at when you turn it on. You can just pick right up and go along with it. So I still can't believe you didn't see it until so much later. That's it's really Home surprising. Alone. Yeah. And same thing with Home Alone. Yeah. Home Alone yeah. seems less surprising, really. I don't know why. See, more people are usually surprised by that one than this one. They're equal on my list. They're equal on my list, too. Mm-hmm. Looking at them now. This one's definitely higher on my list. I, I mean, it. I never saw a Peanuts Christmas until like two years ago, three years ago. That's a joke. Oh, my gosh. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> that's not possible, man. That's not possible. <laughs> like, if so, I'm pretty sure that's that's some kind of, you know... CPS reporting of your parents. True. For child neglect. <laughs> Much like the parents in the peanuts should be reported because they're never around. But I digress. You don't even speak English. <laughs> <laughs> because we've covered this film before, I'm just going to run through the cast and crew real quick without really getting into what else they've been in because... You know, one thing we didn't do with this, we hadn't started telling our favorite movie with these people yet, with like the cast. Do we want yeah, to do that? True. We could do that. So let's run through the crew first. The director was Jeremiah Chechik. The writer, the incomparable John Hughes, who we just talked about like two weeks ago. So not going to focus on him again, even though we could dedicate a whole episode to him because he deserves it. Clark Griswold, our protagonist, is played by Chevy Chase, who is best known for the National Lampoon franchise. Is this your favorite? This has to be all of our favorite Chevy Chase. Yeah, but that feels like a cop out, y'all. Okay, so let me ask: What's your second favorite vacation movie? Probably I Wally liked, World. Where they go to Wally World. I liked European Vacation. I liked European Vacation a lot. I will say it was not Vacation. Definitely <laughs> not the new one. Oh right. But man, finding a, the best, finding my favorite aside from this, finding my favorite Chevy Chase would be really, really hard. I'd probably have to go Three Amigos. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. really liked Fletch. Definitely Three Amigos, though. SNL. Yeah. SNL, yeah. I don't know that. if that counts, but... So, uh, his wife, Ellen Griswold, is played by Beverly D'Angelo, who has appeared on this podcast in something else other than this film. She appeared in All-American Christmas Carol, which I think is still in our bottom five, or near it anyway. It's definitely in our bottom one still. It was terrible. <laughs> Do we have really a favorite bad. Beverly D'Angelo besides vacation films? No. Yeah. What? She was in the world's worst movie ever made. We've talked about oh, this. We talked about this. We did. She's I in nowhere. I think we have our favorite movies these people have been in. No, I don't think so. I think Tom just brought this up because he wanted to bring up this really awful trailer we watched that was like oh. really It was so good. He brought good. it up in, in All-American. That, I think yeah, so. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, no, I don't really care for Beverly D'Angelo outside of this movie. 
not even any of the other vacation films. I mean, she's all right. I guess this one, yeah, is special to me. None of the other ones are. You said your favorite, Your if you had to pick a second favorite one, it's the original Vacation. Yep. Probably my least favorite of the four. I, lo- I think Vegas Vacation is underrated. I really liked Vegas Vacation. I could take it or leave it. <laughs> the, fir- the original Vacation just kind of bores me. But- That's it. I like when he punches the moose at the end. I remember that just so vividly. I can't even tell you. I just love in European vacation where they're going around the roundabout in Paris and it's like hours and hours. <laughs> that part was really funny. <laughs> and Haggard's in that movie too. So got to give a props for that Harry Potter connection. That's right. He was a creep who uh, went into the bathroom when she was taking a bath. Mm-hmm. Was he really? Yep. Oh, I need a rewatch now. Yeah. <laughs> That, and the only reason that's fresh on top of my head because AMC recently had all four of these movies on not too long ago. They were doing like a marathon all day just to bore them on a loop. So I caught multiple parts and multiple ones throughout the day. And you were fine. With, you're fine picking them up at any point, all of them. I really was. It works. <laughs> well, they're just little vignettes. So yeah, they're perfect for that. Yes, they are. So Audrey and Rusty... Clark Griswold's two kids are played by Juliette Lewis and Johnny Galecki. And for some, maybe you were right, Julia, because I feel like we talked about our favorites with these two for sure. And we talked about how Juliette Lewis, Tom, she went to Tom's store. We definitely talked about favorites for these, but refresh our memory. What's your favorite Juliette Lewis and Johnny Galecki? I won't say my favorite Juliette Lewis, but by far the most disturbing Juliette Lewis was Natural Born Killers. Mm-hmm. She gave a really powerful performance. And again, I won't say that I liked it, but it was very powerful and very well done. And then Johnny Galecki is, of course, going to be Big Bang Theory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I'm totally, yeah, definitely on Johnny Galecki there. As far as Juliette Lewis, I don't remember caring at all for her character, but I really liked the movie. Um, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Yes. No, love that movie. Love that movie. But that's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Strange Days. For some reason, that movie like sticks with me. I was going to say about Johnny Galecki, Julia, because you'll care about this more than Tom. Did you see that Marvel's supposedly looking at him for the new Wolverine? He's very hairy. What? Wolverine is supposed to be. Yeah. That's weird casting. How I feel about that. I mean, Marvel hasn't miscast. So. I mean, I feel better about that than Robert Pattinson as Batman, so, you know. Um, I have real feelings about Natalie Portman as Thor. Thank you very much. What about like, it? Like, no. No thank you. Like, that's no how thank- her character becomes Thor in the comics. Yeah, that's fine that the character itself turns into Thor, and that's okay. My problem is with Natalie Portman. I was kind of hoping she was gone after Dark uh, World. She- she was gone. She had herself written out of those movies and out of her contract. And then after the Dark World, that's when Marvel really took off. And all of a sudden, I give her all the props in the world for convincing them, you know what? Let me back into your billion-dollar franchise and give me the hammer. I don't like her as an actress. Did you like her in Black Swan? I didn't really like Black Swan. I like Black Swan. Black Swan was a very confusing movie for me. Yeah. That's how I feel about Magnolia. Oh, that's that such a good movie. No, yeah, because I, it started raining frogs, and I'm like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> there's out. a, at the same time, there was a book out 
called Black Swan by Nassim Taleb. And it was an amazing book. And I read it thinking it was somehow related to the movie just because I saw people talking a lot about this. I'm like, okay, I'll check out the book. It's in no way related. Um, it's, it's far removed from anything. And as I'm reading, I'm like, how in the world are they going to turn this into a movie? <laughs> Have y'all read it? No. It's all about like probability and uh, <laughs> it's very numeric, very uh, <clears throat> mathematical. It's good, but yeah. Well, pin, put a pin in the Marvel stuff, Julia, because after we talk Christmas vacation, I just want to talk about that real quick. Okay. I meant to do that at the beginning. Got it. Um, so most people's favorite character, Cousin Eddie, is played by Randy Quaid. What's your favorite Randy Quaid outside of vacation movies? I don't even know what else he's done. I, I really like him in Independence Day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, too. fair. I loved him in that movie. I'm back. He basically played Cousin Eddie as an Air Force pilot hero. Yeah. Yep, he did. I also really liked him in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. No, you Ooh, are we going to cover that sometime? Nobody has ever said that, Anthony. (laughs) I was going to say, because we we went into the past and covered these beloved movies this July, we should go into the future with the ghost of Christmas future and cover all the bad sequels like Home Alone 3 and Where Christmas Vacation 2. No, if we're going to do Home Alone, we got to start with like Home Alone 16 if we want to get the really bad ones, you know, or whatever it is. Todd and Margot, the next door neighbors, who I have no love for, as people will remember, <laughs> are played by Nicholas Guest and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I don't really have a favorite Nicholas Guest, but Julia Louis-Dreyfus would be Seinfeld or Veep. Or SNL, or a million other things she's been in because she's awesome. My favorite Juliet Dreyfus is New Adventures of Old Christine. That's a great show, and that's such that an underrated, a, show. an underrated show, one hundred percent. She worked some serious magic with that and got no love for it. Actually, she won the Emmy for that. So, but I'm saying like it got cut early, and I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. From no network love, I should say. Yeah, for sure. And Coulson was in that too, right? From Marvel. He was her ex. Husband. He was. Yep. Clark's parents are played by John Randolph and Diane Ladd. Ellen's parents, E.G. Marshall and Doris Roberts. And it seems fitting we're covering Doris Roberts a week after we covered her film with Peter Boyle since they played husband and wife for about 10 years on Everybody Loves Raymond. Very, very iconic spouses. Mm-hmm. They were. I loved them. Favorite part of that show. I would say uh, Doris Roberts is one of these actresses like I think of certain actresses like Maggie Smith and Doris Roberts who have just always been old like you can go to a movie with them from the 80s or 70s they just have always been old Yep, 100% I mean think about it she was playing the old grandmother in this movie and then like 10-20 years later playing the grandmother on Everybody Loves Raymond basically character too and look at maggie smith and hook if you don't believe me about maggie smith because she looked like professor mcgonagall 15 years later <laughs> 15 Dead. years later yeah um, for sure uh what's his name um ed asner's the same way he was I, and we talked about that a couple episodes back he was old on mary tyler moore yep. yep he's been old forever and you know what bob newhart was the same way he's mm-hmm. another old clark's boss frank shirley is played by Brian Doyle Murray, and he's Bill Murray's brother, right? Yep. Yep. 
What and you can tell. You can tell. Yep. Yep. And then Uncle Lewis is played by William Hickey. Who has also always been old. <laughs> like dirt old. <laughs> Aunt Bethany, who was played by Mae Questel. <laughs> and uh and they, were, his wife. they were a perfect, a perfect bickering old couple. Oh yeah. They're sure. I think they're they're exactly what we're all striving for in marriage, right? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Cousin Catherine was played by Miriam Flynn, who I actually really liked in Grounded for Life. It's one of my favorites. Absolutely. I, I talk about an underappreciated show. Yep. And she also voiced Grandma Longneck in The Land Before Time. So, Did she really? Yep. So this movie opens up with Clark and his immediate family going to get a Christmas tree. And Clark They're doing is, it right too, y'all. They're doing it right. Clark is totally into the Christmas season, singing Christmas carols, annoying his kids in the backseat, gets into a little road rage incident, which I could probably relate to. <laughs> and, and um That's a shocker. A New Yorker with road rage. <laughs> That's a really uncommon thing, something I've never heard about in my life. I tell you something, when Sarah's parents visit, I swear to God, like I feel like I'm having a heart attack because I when I'm driving them around in the city I'm like white knuckling the steering wheel like just staring straight ahead like biting my tongue trying not to like swerve or flip anyone off or (laughs) curse anyone out it's awful go home and just scream into a pillow after that (laughs) have you thought about therapy for anger management Anthony you know I figure my therapy for my anger is my word rage (laughs) You should see me after a very particularly bad day at work when I'm driving. <laughs> Gosh, that's so dangerous. Yeah, I know. I know. Anyway, down here, down here in these parts, you can't really get road rage. Too many drivers have guns and tempers, so it's not a good idea. Oh, I my cousin uh, got road rage with the wrong motorcyclist who uh, pulled up beside his car, broke his window, and pulled him through the driver's seat and beat the crap out of him. Oh, <gasps> whoa. Crap, no joke. Yeah. So every time I'm road raging, Sarah said one day you're gonna piss off the wrong person and they're gonna have like a gun or a temper of their own. She's not wrong. No, I know. So I do try to control it. But Clark, I love the scene where he's um in this little road rage battle with the truck and flips him off and <laughs> with a smile. With a smile though. With a smile. And then uh, gets run off the road and crashes into the perfect Christmas tree. An well, enormous tree. After he gets trapped underneath of a semi, right? That was, to me, that was, uh, that was somewhat scarring. I always thought that's something that could actually happen. And so I was kind of afraid of it when I was you know, a kid that that would happen while we were driving. Not going to lie. It was, it was fear. Did you get trapped under a semi truck? Yeah. Oh, man. I was afraid that could happen. I mean, it looked real, right? It did look real. Yeah, it totally did. So it's like Julie said earlier, all the night vacation movies, but especially this one, they're just little vignettes that make up the film. And they find the perfect Christmassy way to break up the vignettes in this one with the little advent calendar to show time passing. Oh, it's genius. Which we saw Krampus pay homage to because Krampus did the same thing. That's right. So Clark is very much, he wants a 
big family traditional Christmas this year. His wife's family, his family, he wants everyone in town. And his wife is desperately trying to talk him out of it because he goes overboard with everything. When have I ever gone overboard? <laughs> yeah. He says after the two previous vacation movies. <laughs> and yeah. um, that scene in general, I find hilarious because Clark's pajamas are just the weirdest thing <laughs> ever. <laughs> White with the polka dots. It looks very feminine. And his hair <laughs> still sticky as anything from the tree sap. So he's reading the magazine. <laughs> and his hands are getting stuck on every page. Chevy Chase, as usual, brilliant at the physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The lamp, he gets her hair. Oh my gosh. So funny. <laughs> Every time we crack up. This is one of those, oh look, it's this part movies where like uh-huh. y'all said, you can have it going on in the background, but then you see it and you stop, you know, stop your special. You're like, Marty, look, it's this part. So this is one of those movies and I feel like, like, there's no slow part where I want to go up and use the bathroom during because mm-hmm. I'm afraid I'm going to miss something funny. Mm-hmm. Like even the parts I don't love as much, like the neighbors or Aunt Bethany, they are part of, uh, you know, larger scenes with funnier characters I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to miss their parts either. Oh, you come on. You got to love Aunt Bethany. Do I? I love her prayers. So... Clark is very excited as well that he's going to get this big old Christmas bonus from his boss and put in an in-ground swimming pool at his house. And he's waiting on it. such a jerk. His boss is such a jerk. And I love the scene where he's trying to suck up to them at work. He goes into his office with a gift for him. Literally every single one of his coworkers got the exact same gift for him wrapped in the same paper. And he's just like, put it over there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let's see. So he meets with his boss and then we get to one of the more famous vignettes in the movie, which is the Christmas lights on the house. Um, The Griswold Christmas lit house is an iconic image now at Christmas time. Um, And that whole scene is. Even did a painting of it. I yes. Thomas Kincaid did? Yep. Oh, yeah, there's so a puzzle cool. version that we That guy is so watch. kitsch. <laughs> it's a great it's a great painting though, and it makes it's for a great a puzzle. Painting. I'm gonna switch screens um, and look it up. So I really like this one. And my dad particularly likes this one too. Um, I've talked about how he's pretty OCD and kind of a bit of a grinch. So we never had a huge light display, but I feel like he really he either used this movie as a justification for why not to do that, or he used this movie as a way to be like, let's just enjoy these lights and laugh at this and pretend like this is what we do without actually doing it. I could see him doing either thing. <laughs> the, the knot of lights and he hands it to um, Russ and Russ has the hilarious line. Oh, or no, it's when they test the lights and Russ looks at the ball of knotted up lights and he's like, yeah, this is crazy. And then when he asks Russ to go check the lights because they're not turning on when he goes to plug them in and you have that whole saga. So it's not just the applying the lights. Where you also have the funny part where he staples himself to the the gutter, like the rafter, mm-hmm. which is also hilarious with the ladder and the physical comedy Chevy Chase is so good at. But you also have like the ongoing story of why these lights won't light up and it drives him nuts. And 
that whole part strung together is just one of the bigger vignettes in the movie and one of the more famous ones. Um, and it's one of the parts where you get to see angry Chevy Chase and he does physical comedy well. He also does angry physical comedy very well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I always liked that part as well. The lights lead into us meeting cousin Eddie for the first time. <laughs> the lights light up finally and Chevy Chase's character is like Clark is like overjoyed and crying and just loving everybody in that moment because finally the lights work you see cousin Eddie is standing there and Clark's a little surprised he's so overjoyed by the lights he's going down the line congratulating himself even though no one else is like you know they all think it's pretty but like they're not like you know they oh. don't have a they don't have the reaction he feels they should at all right mm -hmm. so he's going down the line practically in tears of joy and when he first gets to eddie it doesn't, he doesn't even register it's eddie at first i love the double take he does when he initially realizes it's, it's him and eddie's face when he realizes it's him like his expecting face waiting for him to put two and two together so funny well, yeah, there's nothing malicious about Eddie at all. And that's what makes him kind of endearing. You know, I mean, he's a big, dumb animal, basically. But you <laughs> kind of love in that moment how Clark does the double take. But then Eddie is, like, genuinely pumped about surprising him in this way. Like, he thinks this is awesome. And, you know, he really buys into the, think, the Christmas spirit um, in a weird sort of way. Because <laughs> he's just kind of that innocent, dumb, right? Uncle Eddie's in the, the iconic he's kind of, uh, he's an innocent dumb. I mean, he does take advantage sometimes. He's there totally to take advantage of Clark and get gifts for his kids. And, and you know it, but it's different from, it's different from Frank in home alone. It's totally yes. different. It's like not, I don't feel like malicious, even when they're going through the store and Clark says, I want to, you know, get the kids something for Christmas. And I know you're, you're hard up for it, whatever. And he just starts like piling stuff on top of the cart. And then he tells Clark, Clark, he wants to get him something nice too. So pick something nice out for himself. And <laughs> I mean, Which, he does, the way, it's like, a different, it's a different attitude. Clark yeah. is like the most, he's just the nicest guy. Like he the fact that he's willing to do that for Eddie's kids and, yeah. Even, even well, during it's because dinner, he had that when he, dinner when he makes that comment about Santa's fly, Santa was spotted flying through the sky, like trying to get them excited for Santa visiting that night. <laughs> then, you, you serious, Clark? You serious, Clark? <laughs> and Clark just looks at him like, Are you serious, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> That's a year round quote. There are so many year round quotes for me in this movie. So this is one of the most quotable movies. This and Elf are like the top. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Not just Christmas movies. I mean, quotable movies in period. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I would say a week doesn't go by without us dropping one or two Christmas vacation quotes in this house. You're All raising right. them right, Julia. You're raising them right. We have Cousin Eddie in the RV. And when Cousin Eddie's family is there with him, there's a few little cute, you know, tidbits with his family as well but this kind of launches into the bigger family gathering where you have her parents there his parents there eddie's there eddie's kids are there the dog the is there in a room which in bed which i just always found creepy because they're a little too old for that at that point yeah they are definitely and i and i love that that scene where um 
Audrey, when Audrey's in the kitchen, like complaining to her mom about that, like about sharing the bed with him. And she's like, I don't want to know what he does in a bed when he, I don't want to share a bed with him. I don't want to even know what he does in the bed when he, he's alone and or something to that effect. And um, I love that Clark's wife replies, well, I have to share a bed with your father, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like, she says, it's Christmas. We're all in misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how her mom knows she's smoking. Is that smoke I smell? Are you smoking? <laughs> like she had just lit it up. Their families just stressed me out. I feel bad, like with speaking of her family, I feel bad for Clark, right? The whole time he's just this, oh, no matter what he does, his, her family just sees him as this giant screw up. Mm-hmm. And his family is so sweet. Yeah. I mean, it's just like him, his dad and his mom are just precious and her family is just terrible. So yeah. terrible. I mean, when you first meet their parents, they are what you'd expect them to be. For Based sure. On it is. Not that his wife, not that Ellen's terrible, but I mean, Clark's parents especially, like, you can tell, like, oh, this is where, why Clark is the way he is. Yeah. 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 Although in this film, compared to the other vacations, he's a much better person in general because he's flirts with infidelity a few times in the other vacation films. And he has that one moment. Uh, in he does here, too, at the store. Which is the one moment Julia feels uncomfortable with because she feels it's yes. out of character, if I remember correctly. It is correctly. completely out of character for him in this movie. I feel like they had to put it in because they wanted to make it in keeping with all of the other Lampoon movies that have mm-hmm. some tawdry thing in it. And I don't like that scene. Even though I will say it makes me laugh every time and it's highly quotable, I don't like the scene. because I don't, I don't either at all. Terrible parent parenting with his son right there. And, but I mean, like the, you know, titbit nipply is hilarious to me. And I find that after, like, yeah, I mean, it's so funny. I, um, but I, I don't it wonder. All with none of this scene makes sense to me. Like, I cannot imagine being at the mall and a woman just lifting up and showing you part of her underwear. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's like. I mean, come on. That's a, that's a joke from the other ones, too. Like, none of these women who are always flirting with him are doing what they're doing. It's supposed to be outlandish. Yeah. So know. this year, I just realized it's the 30th anniversary of this film hitting theaters. Oh, my goodness. It's 25 yeah, we... for the Santa Claus, 30 for this one. Anniversary <gasps> year. They're only five years apart? Which is insane. That yeah. does not feel right at all. No, it doesn't. That feels Whoa. very not true. But the reason oh. I bring this up is I think last year, or maybe I just saw the article posted last year, maybe it was an article from whenever the last anniversary was, they had interviewed a bunch of the cast for, you know, a retrospective about their memories of making the film. Yeah. And uh, what's his name? Johnny Galecki was talking about how he regrets not getting a one-on-one scene with Clark because all of the other vacation movies have this father-son moment where Clark gives him some kind of advice. And uh, he said, Chevy Chase took him aside and was like, oh, how about we sit together with the writer and come up with a scene where we have this one-on-one. And he said he was so young at the time, he didn't realize, he was like, no, I don't think we need to do that. I feel the script is tight enough without adding a scene. And he said, like, he wishes, like, you know, he had said, yeah, let's do that. It's Chevy Chase. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but now that you say it, it does feel out of place for the other vacation movie, even the new one. I mean, there's there's just this idea of Chevy Chase is trying to be this great father and pass this stuff, pass his knowledge on to his son, right? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, what regret. Right? Little smug child knowing, no, great Chevy Chase, I'm good. <laughs> Speaking of regret, <laughs> there comes a point where Clark is clearly regretting his choice to have all these people under one roof. <laughs> uh, I think this movie is all about his regret in general. His word choice, his... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just one big montage of, of regret. So, since we're talking about them in vignettes, one of my favorite vignettes in this film is where uh, the family is all going out to the mall and Chevy Chase is in the attic <laughs> hiding a Christmas gift, <laughs> hiding his Christmas gift so people won't find them. Mm-hmm. And he gets locked up there. Mm-hmm. And just a comedy in this attic between him stepping on loose floorboards that come up and pop him in the face and him hitting his head on the low ceiling and coming through the ceiling and everything. It's perfect. But also just Chevy Chase is such a good physical actor in general that when he's just sitting there watching home movies with that turban on his head tearing Mm up laughing at the memories it's just so it's a sweet moment but it's just so funny the way he plays it Mm -hmm. like it is it is very very heartfelt and i love that that i love the i love those touching moments throughout the movie like um when he's being pervy looking out you know imagining the pool and seeing the Mm -hmm. the underwear model that are pervy where he's just watching her being you know being a creep watching somebody that's young enough to be his daughter and his niece comes in and she's real worried about santa not finding them and not getting presents Mm -hmm. and you see the compassion and love on his face like he he's worried about this little girl's christmas and you're that and and those kind of scenes with chevy chase are really great too Mm -hmm. Um, because he does a way of not making it too heavy not making it feel too like there's putting too much into it but still getting you to feel those emotions do you know what i mean yep Mm -hmm. Yep. There's still comedy. It's still lighthearted. It's still fun, but it's, it's heartfelt. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of actors who can pull that off. I, I also very much loved in that attic vignette when he goes to hide the gifts <laughs> and he finds a gift he hid up there for Mother's Day five years ago that he clearly had forgotten he hid up there because it was covered in <laughs> dust, still wrapped. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> nice, hilarious little touch on this scene mm-hmm. the scene and the music in that scene are just it feels so Christmassy the music throughout this whole movie yeah the whole movie is just on point it's another one of those that we I mean I feel like, I don't even think we need to dwell on it because I think we talk about that on a lot of movies but mm-hmm. this one the entire score is just Christmas period mm-hmm. not just the score the opening Christmas vacation song with the animation I love it hip, hip, hooray, it's Christmas vacation yeah, yeah, I feel that's one part I do want to see every year for sure. Um, you know, I want to watch the whole movie, but I look forward to that part. Yeah, yep, for sure. Love it. Uh, the other vignette I really like is um, when Clark cuts down the is cutting down the second Christmas tree that they need, and he's just kind of gone a little bit kooky. Yeah, uh, and he and he looks like the chainsaw. Ma- he looks like he's from the chainsaw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is, I mean, it's a funny. The, the way he's holding the chainsaw and everything, it's just funny. But then uh, you have these pretentious, awful neighbors who are just terrible to Clark and his family. And Clark draw, Clark is uh, cutting down the tree and it just this big tree just falls through their window. And Julia, <laughs> Dreyfus, Julia Dreyfus, her reaction is just amazing. Uh, 
how she's placed. So, I mean, like, it, it, oh, yeah. I love that scene. <laughs> Even though you don't like them, she does such a good job with that. Well, I was about to say, the physical comedy, her especially, but both of them do, during the scene where the lights keep going on and off and blinding them and they're falling <laughs> out of the house because they can't see a thing when those <clears throat> lights come on. I mean, I... I mean, I really appreciate the actors who can do pratfalls and stuff like that because it's not easy to do and make it look natural. And they were really good <laughs> in this film. They were. And I mean, you know, we should mention uh, she's another SNL alum as well, in addition to Chevy Chase. We, a lot of SNL alum end up doing Christmas movies. Indeed. Being Will memorable Ferrell. for them. Molly Shannon. <laughs> One of my favorite Christmas performances. That sweater. <laughs> Darn it, we should have had you sing Shania Twain. Oh my gosh. That would have been awesome. That would have been the best. Man, I feel like some Christmas. <laughs> okay. Well, Julia, you have a year before the next Christmas in July. We may have I'll to do another one of these. So <laughs> flesh up that whole song just so we can hear you perform it. Uh, I think oh. Tom is in total agreement as well. Tom, you have my blessing. <laughs> <laughs> I know another one of Julia's favorite vignettes. The sledding one. I love the sledding one. <laughs> it's so sweet. And it's my one of my dad's favorites, too. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, when he shines the sled up and <laughs> he flies through everything. <laughs> everything lands in the parking lot of the Walmart, right? Oh, I, I love that one. Bingo. I don't want to be negative, but that one is not uh, on my favorites at all that's part of the movie i'm like i could do without this part oh. i was staying i was staying silent because i have no love for that part either and i didn't want I, to be i nervous. remember this from the last time we recorded mm -hmm. where we were all still a little too nice to be completely honest about what we thought yeah we that i remember that <laughs> yeah I, so it reminds me of, and I can't for the life of me remember which other National Lampoons it was. When he fall, I think it's one when he falls asleep driving. That is one. It's that, that, it's that, that exact one. scene. It's just him on a sled. That's it. It's the only difference. And my dad also really loves that scene. And so, I mean, that's like a staple of these movies, right? That in they're all sequels, but they reuse a lot of the same mm -hmm. scene beats in all of these films mm -hmm. yep. so i but love a lot of but they make that they still make them all new which is great because that could be something that would really um get old in a series but every time it's fresh and fun except really the new the new vacation movie they tried too hard so almost like satire i didn't hate the new one as much as a lot of people did i i mean my favorite scene in the new one was with those chevy chase and Beverly D'Angelo. But so one of my favorite scenes in this film is when they finally all sit down for Christmas dinner as a family. And Clark goes to cut the turkey. And it's so overcooked. <laughs> when he goes to carve it, it just it's so dry. It <laughs> on himself. And then wow. it just 
they're not afraid to play with silence in this film either. There's a good 60 seconds of silence where it's just the family chewing loudly, trying to eat this dry bird. Oh, and it, man. Chevy Chase's physical comedy, the way he dips it in his wine and his water to try to get <laughs> to try to <laughs> juice uh. and stomach it. And the way he's chewing like over the top and quickly drinking the drink after swallowing it, it's ah, oh, he's so good. Mm-hmm. Beverly D'Angelo's flicking it off the fork, pretending to take yep. a bite, flicking it behind her. Yep, for oh, the man. dog. And the dog yep. is under the table eating it all. Snots. Snots the dog. Oh. <laughs> and there's this really sweet so not yet. At, so the squirrel <laughs> There's a whole chain of events that happens. Uncle, so Uncle Lewis, um, first, well, first they plug in the Christmas tree with, uh, ele- which electrocutes the cat. I mean, fries the cat to a crisp. Fries the, fries the cat. It's dead. Well, the cat came with Aunt... nine lives. He just used them all. The cat came with Aunt Bethany. She wrapped the cat up as a wrapped present on accident. <laughs> And Uncle Lewis accidentally smoking a cigar sets the tree on fire and completely burns it down. That's when Clark goes to get the new tree impatiently and he accidentally brings a squirrel into the house. And there's this whole chase scene that ensues between the dog and the squirrel. Completely wreck the house. Julia Lee Dreyfus comes over to give Clark Griswold a piece of her mind. She's planning on punching him in the face. And right when she's about to knock on the door, he opens the door to let the squirrel out, and the Rottweiler like knocks her down. <laughs> uh, she had it coming. But following all of this, when Clark is at his lowest, he has a nice. I love the heart to heart he has with his dad, where he's like, you know, how did you do it all these years? And his dad tells him, "What does his dad call him? I forget the I forget the quote." But he tells him, "It's it's not easy. It's his Christmas. Whatever." It's a really nice heart-to-heart between the two of them, though. And I felt like a yada, yada, yada moment. I don't know why. Maybe I just have Seinfeld on the brain, but that felt like a yada, yada, yada moment there. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Clark's better again. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh, and this is also after Clark's bonus arrives in the mail. <laughs> he was really That's ungrateful. Not- you know that? And he has one of the best <laughs> breakdown rants in film history. <laughs> Which we cannot quote on this show. Oh, we're going to quote it and beep it out because it'd be pretty <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> uh, um, But what, did, what is it? He gets um, Jelly of the Month. Jelly of the Month. That's it. I was trying to remember what of the month it was. <laughs> Instead of money. And he goes on this amazing rant and says... What he wants for Christmas is his boss kidnapped, wrapped, brought to him so he can give him a piece of his mind. And as he says it, you can see Uncle Ed- Cousin Eddie's <laughs> wheels in his head turning. <laughs> because at this point, Clark has got his kids gifts, bought him things he needed at the store, has given Puts his a family down awesome. payment on the pool. <laughs> so... You can see his wheels turning <laughs> in his mind. Oh, and then man. we just see the, the RV speeding away. 
the amazing RV, which is just as iconic as the lit up house. Which I also did, which when I looked up the uh, Thomas Kincaid painting, I did not realize, or I was not expecting. That's what I, I don't know if y'all saw me. I muted so I could laugh, but I saw the RV <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in his vacation painting. Yep. It has to be. After he goes to get the boss that he cuts the tree down, brings it inside, the squirrel stuff happens. Because at that one point, he's like, where's Eddie? He usually eats these things. Right. <laughs> like, oh, he read they were high in cholesterol. <laughs> and that's when he has a heart-to-heart with his dad, because that's when he calms yeah. down, sits down to read the night before Christmas to the family. Yeah. And Eddie marches his tied-up boss <laughs> into the house. <laughs> I mean, that's love, right? That's that is love. One of the scenes we didn't talk about, I loved watching Eddie just pouring all of the sewage waste into the 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 gray water uh, waste from his RV. He's just pouring down the storm storm drain, and so we we see this building and building, and uh, we have this awesome payoff at the end when Uncle Lewis goes to light his cigar, and the entire sewage, the entire sewer line blows. And sends this big explosion up in the air. And we see also in the Thomas Kincaid painting, um, <laughs> Clark's reindeer flying lit, lit on fire in front of the, in front of the moon. Oh. <laughs> Before that happens, though, Clark has a heart-to-heart with his boss. Very honest with him. Tells him you can't, you know, people are relying on this money. You can't take it away from them. Boss has a change of heart, but not before his wife has called the FBI, who totally, totally stormed the house. And again, just hilarious physical comedy when they tell the whole family to freeze, and Beverly D'Angelo's hand is on Clark's crotch. Yeah, yeah, the whole time. Oh my gosh, I'm so she funny. She goes to shake his hand, and then she puts it back. Right back on the crotch. She had the perfect chance to to leave it, and nope. Which they came up with themselves during rehearsals. Did they? Yep, he. They came up. They thought it would be hilarious, and uh, they tried it once. And then she tried it once on him, and he said, "Yeah, keep doing that." It was hilarious. Yep, that could come across as really pervy. Yeah, I realized how I sa- that sounded coming out of my mouth. Yeah, but I'm gonna doing it. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with the fact that they're just no comment. Their comedy so well. Although yeah. both of them, they when they talk about each other nowadays, they're actually really sweet. They call each other their second soulmates because they were yeah. husband and for so long Aww. in the films. Yeah. They had good chemistry. That was they good chemistry. So as this, you know, Clark's getting his bonus, the boss has changed his mind, Santa's flying through the air with the reindeer on fire. Well, uh, one thing I think we need to mention uh, that I did like um, – when the boss's wife shows up for whatever reason, she's with the police, which I'm sure is probably not the, how they handle kidnapped persons, mm-hmm. but um, she's with them and she gets there. And even she is put off by her husband's decision to cancel the Christmas bonuses. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. What allows you do to save a buck? This like canceling of Christmas bonus seems to be a trope that develops in Christmas movies as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, like, when Santa's flying through the air, they have a nice little Linus moment when Clark says it's a Christmas star and talks about the true meaning of Christmas, which I always found a really sweet moment at the end. 
And I always like the very final scene of this film where uh, they're all heading inside and Clark just takes a moment to stand outside alone and says to himself, I did it. Because he threw the family Christmas, he got his bonus, everyone's happy. I always thought that was very sweet. Yeah, I like his revisionist view of of what just happened, though. Like, (laughs) you did something, Clark. That's for sure. That was a stressful (laughs) holiday. I know. We probably have quotes, I assume. I do. Yep. Okay, so I liked uh, the families getting ready to leave. You know, Christmas is a disaster. Clark blocks the door and he's like, where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out of this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no. We're all in this together. This is a full-blown four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on and we're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white down that chimney tonight, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of <laughs> this side of the nut house. Oh my gosh. His <laughs> eyes are so crazy in that scene. It's the best. Yeah, <laughs> Did y'all realize that the lady who played Aunt Bethany, this was her last film, and she was the original voice of Betty Boop in 1930s? Yeah. I did know that. Hmm, I did not. I like the scene where um, Ellen and Clark are awake in the morning and Ellen goes, aren't you going to have any breakfast? And Clark goes, I'm not in the mood. Ellen goes, what are you looking at? Oh, the silent majesty of a winter's morn, the clean, cool chill of the holiday air and an a-hole in his bathrobe, emptying a chemical toilet into my sewer. (laughs) I like when Clark's obviously about at his wit's end with Eddie and I use this in our Christmas in July special, but he's like, can I refill your eggnog, get you something to eat, drive you to the middle of nowhere and leave you for dead? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh I love it so, <laughs> I, lo- I know we have problems you guys have problems with the scene but I still find that scene hilarious so I love when Clark's at <laughs> talking to the lingerie saleswoman <laughs> and he's getting tongue tied because he's so I guess uh, enamored by her beauty and he's like oh it's just smelling smiling I was just blouse browsing I, uh, <laughs> well I guess I just wouldn't Oh, it wouldn't be the Christmas shopping season if the stores are any less hooter than they hotter than they are. Phew, is it warm in here? It's warm in here, isn't it? And she says, you have your coat on. And he says, yes. Oh, do I? Yeah, it was a bit nipply out. I mean, nipply. Nippy. What am I saying? Nipple. <laughs> he's, he's so awkward. <laughs> I like Clark when uh, Eddie asks him if he's surprised and he says, and he says, if I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised. <laughs> I like Uncle Lewis and Aunt Bethany in general. Their their scenes are just really funny to me because Lewis is just terrible um, and so dry, but Bethany's just so clueless. And I like it when Bethany goes, what's that sound? It's a, it's a squeaky sound. And Lewis goes, Bethany, you couldn't hear a, what does he say? You couldn't hear a. You couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. That's right. (laughs) So I I really like Clark's other rant in this film. And it's after he just gets his bonus and he's pouring back the eggnog. And he's like, if any of you are looking for any last minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I'd like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. 
I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with the, all the other rich people. I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head, and I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey he is. Hallelujah! Holy Where's the Tylenol? I'm glad I'm not editing this episode. There's going to be a lot of... Beepity beeps. Beepity beeps. <laughs> oh, man. I got to say, I got to say the most iconic quote in this movie to me, and that's, well, why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. <laughs> yeah. My favorite quote still, you serious, Clark? <laughs> yeah. Just the earnestness he has in his question. So I like when uh, Clark brings home the Christmas tree and Todd is like, hey, Griswold, where do you think you're going to put a tree that big? And Clark's like, bend over and I'll show you. (laughs) And Todd's like, you've got a lot of nerve talking to me like that, Griswold. And he says, I wasn't talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then there's the, uh, so when his boss is standing there basically saying yeah i remember when i was toying with the idea of suspending the christmas bonuses and his wife goes you didn't for all the cheap lousy ways to save a buck and then you have that swat commander that goes that's pretty low mister if i had a rubber hose i would beat you and then (laughs) 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 oh that reminds me i like beverly d'angelo apologizing i'm sorry this isn't our family's first kidnapping So I like when uh, at the beginning of the, at the outset of the sledding scene where uh, Clark's rubbing down his sleigh with that chemical and Eddie's like, don't go put none of that on my sled, Clark. You know that metal plate in my head? I had to have it replaced because every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I pissed my pants and forget who I was for half an hour. <laughs> so. so over at the day, they had to replace it with plastic. It ain't strong, so I don't know if I could go sailing down no hill with nothing between the ground and my brains by a piece of government plastic. And Clark is just like, you really think it matters, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> so I like it when Uncle Lewis goes, hey, Grizz, Bethany and I figured out the perfect gift for you. And Clark goes, oh, you didn't have to get me anything. <laughs> Lewis goes, damn it, Bethany. He guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I love when Clark's at work <laughs> and just uh, – line his boss followed by all these higher corporate people are filing past him and clark's like merry christmas merry christmas merry christmas, merry christmas. kiss my ass. kiss his ass. kiss your ass. happy hanukkah <laughs> that was really funny for some reason that's a scene like when it when uh it's on on tv i don't ever catch that early in the show yeah like ever unless i unless i start from the beginning i never catch those those early scenes i like when clark says the most enjoying traditions of the season are best enjoyed in the warm embrace of kith and kin this tree <laughs> is the thimble of the print of the griswold family christmas <laughs> <laughs> what does she say audrey's eyes have frozen open or something like <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so funny all right we want to rank this how it would rank if we ranked it today i'm happy where i was i gave it a uh nine and a quarter let me see where am i you gave it a nine yeah i'm happy where i was too i gave it a 10 i'm perfectly happy with that hey look at that after all this time we're still happy with what we did 
We are. We're pretty much happy with all four films we cover this month. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought- I felt I wasn't didn't give. I feel like I should have upped the Santa Claus a little bit. So I actually speaking of the Santa Claus, I actually have a question for you guys. Could Chevy Chase would he have been a good Scott Calvin? Because we know he scheduling conflicts made him turn down the role. I yeah. don't think he would be the same Scott Calvin. I feel like Scott Calvin is was cast perfectly. Yeah, I would agree with that. So awesome, and there ends our. Uh, journey into the past with the ghost of Christmas past. And I use the word twice again, like I did at the beginning. You know, um, <laughs> listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Chime in on any of your past episodes that you enjoyed. Uh, I don't know about you all, fellow elves, but I would love to hear what people's favorite episodes are or favorite Tis the Podcast moments. If you have any, share those with us on social media. You can find us on all social media outlets at tisthepodcast.com slash Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Patreon, anything you can find us that way. And uh, we'd love to have a conversation with you. You can also um, find a different presence for us online that's not social media, but it is bonus content. Um, Patreon is a really cool site where you can, for as little as a dollar a month, get access to vaulted material. So We have some episodes in there that we'll never see our regular feed, whether that's just because they're super special or because they don't have anything to do with Christmas. Um, We have a lot of fun creating those episodes because we get get to veer a little bit off of our normally scheduled programming. So come and see us at tisthepodcast.com backslash Patreon. And for just a teeny little donation a month, you can get access to new content. And sometimes we have some sales that will go live early for our Patreon users, like some swag coming up and i think there's more i'm missing uh i think you can chime in and see an unedited vi- video of us doing an episode recently right anthony it's the uh me tom and julia it's the three of us recording the party scenes for our just dropped uh, christmas in july and having the editing the audio for that episode you're in for some hilarious content if you have the videos it's straight foolishness y'all and if you loved our singing so much you just can't get enough of it or you hated it so much you want to annoy your spouse with it or children with it the mp3 versions of the songs from that christmas special are also on patreon now so check that out oh no sounds like a good idea for a ringtone (laughs) does it julia does it really (laughs) and it, it has album art called that's now that's what i call it is a podcast christmas volume oh one. crap does it really oh anthony <laughs> that is perfect <laughs> well done well done thank you thank you we're just giving people the gifts that nobody ever asked <laughs> wanted <laughs> so so we're moving away from the past this month and we, <laughs> this upcoming month august and next week, we will be covering a sequel to one of Tom's movies, <laughs> but a movie Tom really enjoyed. We'll be covering Netflix's original film, A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding. And the week after that, we'll be covering the foreign film, Joyeux Noel. So we're covering Shazam after that, which will be a fun debate as to whether or not that's a Christmas film. And then we're already at our two-year anniversary, guys. Can you believe that? Gosh, two years. I cannot. So definitely do what Tom suggested, listeners, and let us know your favorite Tissa podcast moments. 
on our social medias. Cause actually, social media- if you want to call and leave a voicemail on area code 918-200-9220, uh, sharing with us your favorite moment or what you think about Tis the Podcast, we can include that in a bonus uh, two-year anniversary episode. What do you guys think? That's a great I idea. I love it. And I also think maybe two years is a good time for us to maybe reevaluate certain movies on the list and see if we want to move something up or down a bit. We got to come up with some rules for that, y'all. We can't yeah. just well, go willy nilly. It's got to be. It's got to be something. Some some rules in place. I was thinking, just to make it hard on ourselves and make it fair, we would have to be in agreement. The three of us. I think there are some we'd all agree after having watched films after some should be higher, some should be lower. I think, star. That's, I think that's a fair way to do it. The star needs to be higher. The star needs Plus it could higher. make for some good quick debates. So I think that'll be good. Some shedding of tears. <laughs> some shedding of tears. <laughs> I just wanted to ask Julia real quick and you too, but I know Julia cares more about it than you. What did you think of the Marvel panel at Comic-Con, all the announcements they made? I'm pretty excited about most of them. But the question did come up in my brain, at what point is too much? I am having superhero fatigue, y'all. I think they anticipate that. And Endgame felt like such an ending also that I feel like they had to anticipate some of this. I think think that's why they're going for like... They're trying to reach underrepresented groups. groups Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to go with... Under, but still, it's just, I'm tired. It, I'm over it. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've beaten way too many dead horses. There's nothing I'll, left. It's it's not enjoyable anymore. That's what. But when there's something really different, like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was really different and unique approach. Not just to a, a comic book story or a superhero story, but um, to storytelling in general. It was, it was that stuff I'm ready for. I'm just, I'm tired of all the same stuff, y'all. Mm-hmm. Did you see Far From Home yet, Julia, speaking of Spider-Man? I've not. I'm going to see it soon. That's definitely going to be up there on your list. I know for yeah. a fact. I know. I'm fully expecting it to be. But in terms of Marvel's announcements, like, I mean, I think Doctor Strange is the one I'm most looking forward to. Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness or something, whatever it's called. Yep. Even though I don't yeah, like the idea that the wanda vision tv show leads into it because there's so many tv shows to keep up with like i don't want to have to add all these tv shows to follow the movies yeah i'm excited about um taika watiti being back for another thor movie regardless of whether natalie portman is in it (laughs) uh i'm excited for a new blade movie especially with what's his name as blade because um what's that guy's name because he is Wesley wesley snipes no, it's that guy who won for Moonlight a few years ago. Oh, hey. that's right. I saw that he was in it. Mahershala Ali. Mahershala yeah. Ali. Um, he is the new Blade coming out, technically Phase 5, and Wesley Snipes wrote a really awesome thing on social media, giving him his blessing awesome. and telling him he can't wait to work with him one day on something original. And yeah, so huh. I'm excited for that. You know what else? Right. We should be excited for guys. What's that? What? We only have three thousand five hundred and fifty-two hours until Christmas. It's only one hundred and forty-eight days. Holy crap! That's only twenty-one weeks. Wow. All right, do your homework, watch some shows, give us some feedback, and we'll see y'all next week. Bye, gang. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.
Yeah. 